0: Hi, I'm Scott. And I'm Jason. Welcome to Skipped On Shuffle, a podcast where we delve into an overlooked song by a popular artist.
1: Today we're looking at the song Hollywood Freaks by Beck off his 1999 album Midnight Vultures.
2: What? Say what? My lip on champagne and ripple shaman's go cripples. Cells go We drop lobotomy beats, evaporated meats on the high-tech streets. We go solo. Show. So this
0: record came. I mean, Odalay was was Beck's huge breakthrough that you know all of a sudden brought him to the spotlight of, of of critics and 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 music listeners. But for me, this was this was the first Beck album that I actually like, really, really loved. Um, I I liked "Odelle" and I still like Odalay but. I, I don't know. I, I feel like Midnight Vultures is one of the most fun records that I own. Like you put it on and you just immediately start smiling and you're like, yeah, this, this is good. So, uh, I'm really excited to talk about this one today because I feel like it just doesn't get talked about nearly as much when you talk about Beck and his, and his Canon.
1: I love Midnight Vultures. I gorged myself on Odalay <laughs> when that came out. Like I, I must've listened to the album. Like, over a hundred times, like, the year it came out. Yeah. Um, and still listen to it, um, obviously, to this day. Um, but I probably more often put on Midnight Vultures now. Right. Um, I, I feel like there's something, like, Odalay is in a certain time and in a certain place, but I feel like Midnight Vultures, there's something timeless about it, um, because, as you said, it is such a fun album that I feel like there's there, the 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 funk R&B quality um, of this album, which is what Beck was going for with this. Um, I, I feel like there's just something that's so great about this album every time I, I, I put it on. And even when you play it for other people, like, yeah, you can't help but elicit some kind of smile or, or right. laugh or, you know, something get somebody tapping their foot to it because it's, it's just so much going on that's that yeah
0: i've definitely had people over my apartment or whatever and put on like a, a mix or or whatever and one of these songs will come up and and all the time everybody's like what is this like this is great you know <laughs> and i'm like it's beck and they're like what album and i say midnight vultures and I'm like what you know, like it just it just it just goes under the radar for so many people and and it's great like there's so much stuff on here i mean you got your, your 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 like old school like soul stuff you know like james brown kind of thing and then you've got like your r&b like and you got the hip-hop and just all this stuff that's just so much fun and it's it's a shame that people not only have skipped over hollywood freaks which obviously is the subject of today's episode but the entire album all together just like what, what album? I yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: <laughs> it kind of got lost in the shuffle of, um, I think, Beck kind of going back and forth between styles where, uh, you know, c- came out with Odelay and then had a more somber, acoustic-influenced album. Then Midnight Vultures was, like, quickly on the heels of that. And then he had another acoustic album. And I feel like those pe- people kind of paid more attention to those because it was like, wait, what what's Beck doing now? And for some reason... They kind of missed like this, this quick transition he had in there where he kind of like slipped this album out that for some reason I, I think missed like the fanfare of, of some of the other ones.
2: Yeah. to you the, on the Hollywood scene.
1: okay so beck spent the most of his childhood in los angeles which is kind of important to note especially um, with this song that specifically references hollywood um so his father is this famous composer david campbell uh he's done things for all kinds of films and musicians uh you know, he's he's done arrangements for people like Adele, Muse, Green Day, Bon Jovi, Leonard Cohen, Justin Timberlake. Like anybody that you can think of, um, this guy has probably worked with. Um, and he's also done things for uh, Beck's music as well. Um, but in the early uh, years of Beck's life, they don't really seem to have a very close relationship at all. Not sure, you know, what the story is behind there, but... Um, suffice to say Beck has kind of, a, a, a distant relationship with, with his parents. It seems, um, he's been a period of time living with, um, grandparents. Um, but eventually he's in LA, his parents get divorced. Uh, he's living with his mother and he gets his first guitar at the age of 16. And he basically kind of tries to make his way as a, a street musician, uh, very influenced by folk and blues music. Which, if you own a couple of the early Beck albums, like the really, uh, early, like, like the, the really early there's, ones,
0: there's, there's, what is it? There's, there's, there's four
1: records before Odelay, <laughs> just yeah. to give you an idea. <laughs> um, so it's, it sounds like a lot of these kind of like, um, uh, like almost. 40s 50s sounding recordings of yeah. if you didn't know it was Beck you might believe it's like this old blues singer <laughs> that um you know that that was recorded with like you know shoddy microphones and things or, yeah. or the best they had you know at the time to capture it so I mean he's in LA he's in a very you know diverse area where he gets to listen to hip-hop punk music I mean LA is is, is, is LA yeah, yeah, I mean there's tons of people there, um, but Beck tries to get out. He moves to New York City, um, spends a couple of years living there, uh, just struggling to get by, working menial jobs, um, doing kind of open mic stuff, uh, meeting other struggling musicians, uh, but just basically trying to get by, trying to figure out, you know, the, the music scene for himself, um, seemingly with, with no success. Yeah. So he ends up coming back to L.A., Uh, get some work with independent labels, kind of recording things here and there. And again, if you listen to those early recordings, it's kind of just anything goes, whatever ideas you had. Yeah. Um, and he ends up recording Loser, which he writes as kind of this joke. He doesn't intend it to be this serious song and doesn't really think much of it. Um... But with the unpredictability of life, it ends up (laughs) uh, finding radio play and kind of makes Beck into this independent star that people were starting to record companies were starting to fight over. So this bidding war ensues, and eventually he um, gets signed with Geffen Records, and has this interesting non-exclusive contract where he can keep releasing um, some of his more strange stuff, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, but can keep working with these independent labels that he's built this relationship with.
0: Right. So, um, so I mean, it sh- it should be pointed out that I, I mean, I mean, I I don't know how much of this is Urban Legend or how much of this is 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 is. Put on by Beck as sort of like a character development kind of thing, but at the time he was he was basically like a homeless kid like he yeah. was he was dressed in rags he was he had long scraggly hair he looked like he hadn't showered in weeks you know i imagine him like going into to geffen records you know with a bunch of suits and there and he's like sitting there like well what am i doing here you yeah, know, like, yeah. You know,
1: i mean he yeah he lived that kind of yeah he like, lived that, 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 that
0: homeless yeah that bohemian st- lifestyle
1: starving artist kind of lifestyle right
0: yeah so so obviously with with a with a very famous you know most likely probably fairly wealthy father of composer. Um, you know, how much of that was him without a safety net and how much of mm. it was at any point he could call up his dad and get some cash, whatever. We don't know. But the point is, is that like he got this weird contract because he's a weird artist. He's a weirdo.
1: <laughs> so, yeah. So, so obviously loser sounds unlike anything else, anything at the time. Yeah. Um, so he records loser gets a, gets a record contract based off of that. Um, And then begins work on what would um, eventually be kind of his introduction to the the wider listening world which would be his album odelay
2: there's a destination a little up the road from the habitations of the towns we know a place we saw the lights turn low the jigsaw jazz in the get fresh flow pulling out jobs and jamboree handouts two turntables or a microphone bottles and cans that just clap your hands or just clap your
1: hands
2: where's that i uh-huh. got
1: So that's 1996 he comes out with Odelay. Um, It's described as obviously genre-defying. If, <laughs> if you've ever put it on, you're like, I don't know exactly what I'm listening to. Because similar to Loser, it sounds like anything else you've ever heard. There yeah. is like esoteric lyrics. Everything is... There's a lot of sampling going on. Yeah. A lot of things mixed in. Um, he worked with these producers called the Dust Brothers, um, who basically helped him craft this album by by piecing it together. Yeah, it's um, like
0: it's like a scrapbook it, album rather than like, you know, most people when you think of writing a, a record or, or band recording a record, they they all get together and they play their they play their instruments, you have a bass player, a guitarist, a drummer, whatever, and they record all these tracks and then put them all together and then boom, you have an album. But with this, it's much more geeky people sitting behind a, a mixing console like being like oh wouldn't it be cool if there was a bell here okay let's go to our files and find a sound of a bell and we'll put that in there and then <laughs> and like, then we'll
1: build yeah we'll yeah, build the song from there we'll build
0: it we'll build it up from that from that point
1: so odalay comes out tons of songs that you've probably heard at one time or another uh where it's at devil's haircut yeah new pollution uh a ton of singles and and yeah sells well yeah sells well um yep makes a name for for beck and then he gets to work basically on his follow-up album um which interestingly enough uh was mutations which is a more quiet um acoustic album um written in a very short period of time um actual band playing on this record yep um Beck doesn't want to release this as his next record, um, but the album is essentially finished, and Geffen goes ahead and puts it out without Beck's consent. It's such a selfish way to
2: lose, the way you lose these wasted blues, these wasted blues Tell me that it's nobody's fault Nobody's fault my own. Tell me that it's so it
1: nobody's ends up being his next album um and part of the contract is that he has to support
0: it like it's not like he can just be like oh the album came out whatever like he's got a tour he's got to do interviews he's got to do all this stuff like I think most people tend to think like, oh, if a label like took some music and released a record like that would suck. But whatever it's out there, you know, it's like they don't understand that like contractually you have to do all this stuff now to promote it, you know.
1: So I think it makes sense where Midnight Vultures comes in because it gets back to Beck kind of mixing and playing with sounds. Um, and and it's just a very different kind of record for him where even though it's in the vein of Odelay in terms of. Being a a more upbeat, fun album, uh, it's not the same. I mean, this is someone specifically trying to make like a funk record, um, who kind of has no experience playing, you know, (laughs) funk music or or, or R and B music. If you listen to anything prior, there's nothing that would give you any indication that uh, R and B is next. Yeah, that he would be interested in doing this or, or that he'd be able to to pull it off. Um, so he records Midnight Vultures, puts it out. Um, the album doesn't really do that well, um, critically or commercially. It's one of those things where I don't think people quite knew what to make of it. Yeah. Um, and when you think about the, the discography of Beck kind of looking at, okay, it's bouncing between these weird collages of music that are songs uh, and then this acoustic you know, softer side um, and then when you're hit with this record, I think people really were caught off guard and didn't know quite what to make of it.
0: And it's also important to remember what was going on in contemporary music at the time. I mean, uh, when uh, this album came out, it was the end of 1999. So the bands that were huge at that time, we're talking like Blink-182, Corn, Limp Biscuit, like that's like the, the hard rock kind of thing. And then you've got your Britney Spears and your Backstreet Boys and whatever. So it's like... There is no market for this album when yeah. it comes out. Like, like you go into, a, a, in 1999, if you went into, a, you know, a label and said, like, I have a great, great funk record that's going to get the party hopping, they'd be like, what? <laughs> <laughs> you know, if it's not teen pop or new metal, we're not interested. So uh, it just, it makes sense that it failed. It's just really unfortunate that it did.
1: Uh, but Beck kind of recovers from it. I mean, he tours behind this album. It was the first time that I had seen Beck live. Yeah um comes back and a few years later comes out with um sea change which is another it's a return to the acoustic side of Beck. um it's a gorgeous album if if you haven't heard it yeah Um, very sad and yeah very sad um a breakup album um but then he gets back into the groove of making kind of interesting rock music or at least what, more more heavily rock influenced yeah, than, yeah. than other genres. alternative
0: music, whatever you want. Uh, to call Guero, it.
1: the information, modern guilt, um, and then there's a long lag in between where he had some health issues, some back problems, um, and then kind of got back to his thing where he comes out with another acoustic album and then another kind of party album yeah. again, right? Um, with 2017's colors, but. What we're going to focus on today is jumping back to Midnight Vultures and everything that was going on around that period of time.
0: We hope you're enjoying this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Right about now, in most podcasts, you'd be hearing an ad for something, uh, but we are trying to keep Skipped on Shuffle ad-free, and the way we're going to be able to do that is through Patreon.
1: Please visit our Patreon page at patreon.com slash skippedonshuffle. Any donations go to support the costs associated with running this podcast.
2: Calls, hot like a cheetah, Niamama Sita, Eat a tacaria, pop lock and beats from Korea, looking like jailbait. Sound like a lot of real estate, looking like a hot day, banging like a 808. Who has to say what? Be a 20 million on the fantasy. Just wear good expensive jeans. Hollywood freaks from the Hollywood Saints. You're real, real, real good after
1: so when beck sat down to conceive of midnight vultures he knew he wanted to make uh and funk r&b album uh he actually had a, a pretty serious plan for it and at one point it was intended to be a double album which is kind of hard to, to yeah, imagine
0: I, that'd be a, That's a, that's a long party,
1: <laughs> but, but, but he basically, you know, he knew what he wanted to do and had a ton of songs for it. Yeah. Um, and sat down and very intentionally um, made this album the way it sounds. And I say that because if you put on this album, if you know some of Beck's other stuff, you're going to be caught off guard by the horns or yeah. prominent keyboards like The instrumentation will catch you off guard. The other thing that will probably catch you off guard is the lyrics, which are just as strange as a lot of the other Beck songs, um, but a bit more um, intentional in, in trying to um kind of you don't think of Beck as 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 a sexy smooth guy
2: yeah you're Th- that's
1: not you're not, not like
0: <laughs> Beck Prince R. Kelly like they, they don't mix together yeah. but but he that's what he's trying to do he's like no I, I'm listening to a lot of this music and there's a lot of musicality in R&B and hip-hop and all this stuff and I want to I want to do that and I can do that because I'm confident enough in my musical ability to make that work.
1: So that's what he's aiming for here probably the best way that i could um if someone was to ask me what, what is it similar to or kind of sound like i immediately think of david bowie's young americans yeah that's where, a good, yeah. where it's a guy who isn't used to necessarily obviously enjoys and consumes that kind of music but isn't somebody who's kind of tried to do it themselves right um, so in, in Bowie's Young Americans, it's, again, a, a, a guy, a British, you know, a white British guy trying to, <laughs> tr- you know, known for rock, you know, rock yeah. music, trying to make an R&B album. They pulled in just
2: behind the bridge, he lays it down still the um
1: and I, I would say similarly being very successful at doing so um, from, from a music from, from a music standpoint yeah, if
0: you listen to midnight vultures like there is I mean if you play midnight vultures for a musician you know, whether they're a drummer or a bass player, or a guitarist, a horn player, or whatever, and you put it on for them and they have never heard it before. The last thing they're going to say is like, these guys can't play. Like, they're going to be like, wow, yeah. these guys can play. Like, this is, this is hot. Like the beats are tight. The horns are all, you know, everything is just great. And, uh, so from a musical sp- perspective, yeah, like this, it's a complete and unbridled success.
1: Uh, but on the other hand, it's, it's silly. Like it's, you could it's silly. You, <laughs> like you could you could just put it on and and within a minute just dismiss it as like these people aren't taking this seriously. Right. And I think one way to to kind of think about that is knowing how seriously Beck takes his other albums like they might be silly or strange or or have like odd elements in them but Beck puts a lot of time and effort into the music and if you listen to Odelay, um, which is probably the album that most people have heard um, you can probably appreciate the time and effort that went into putting those sounds together and those songs together in the way that they came out. Um, and I feel like that's even more pronounced with Midnight Vultures. Is kind of the level of craft involved? Where um, yes, this keyboard is making this like weirdo sound, <laughs> but but it's very specifically put in the song. To, to there's there's something about craftsmanship, yeah, um, that I feel like should be. M- more appreciated with Midnight Vultures and I, I think and if you listen to Beck's other music you realize like he is actually fairly meticulous about things despite the fact that he kind of uses sounds um, that are different than what we're used to hearing in, in popular music
0: right and and when you when you think about uh, the, the song that we're going to focus on Hollywood Freaks uh, I mean Hollywood Freaks is as soon as it starts playing, as soon as the first beat drops in, the first thing you think of is this is a hip hop song, like very deliberate. Like there's no question that this is hip hop. And because the lyrics are silly and because it's so, it's it's fun it's funny you know like you start to think that this is like a parody like this is like Beck like you know taking a hip-hop beat that he found like you know like in some sort of beat catalog or whatever and then being like I'm gonna do my silly white boy rhymes over over this hip-hop beat and that's the first thing you might think of but it's not and if you listen to Hollywood Freaks you know from beginning to end really pay attention to the craftsmanship and whatever yes it is fun And yes, it is in a way silly, but it's also like a legitimate hip hop song. Like, you know, just because he's not talking about guns and, you know, or, 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 you know, uh, street life or, or whatever, you know, motifs from hip hop you want to put in because he's not talking about those things doesn't make it any less hip hop. Like if I have a rock song where I'm singing about cooking like sure like that's not really a popular topic for rock songs but if it's a good rock song who cares what the topic is you know and i feel like with hollywood freaks it is silly but it's 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 a legitimate hip-hop song and in fact um he was actually called out by this and i have a, a quote here about this he actually uh was called out somebody who said you know do you think that hollywood freaks is like a parody song and he said uh this is This is Beck's own words. I don't think of that song as a parody at all. There is a fine line there, but it isn't parody. I love the new stuff and the old school. He's talking about like hip hop there. Um, That song to me is just my aesthetic. In my fantasy world, that is the kind of hip hop song you would hear on the radio and hear Puff Daddy rapping in the background. So it's clear, he he took this seriously. He was like, I'm writing a hip hop song and I'm gonna do it right. And it just so happens to be it's, it's a Beck hip hop song, so of course it's going to be, you know, in certain ways ridiculous.
2: Hot milk. Mm, tweak my nipples, champagne and ripple. Shamans go cripples. Sales go we drop lobotomy beats, evaporated beats in high tech streets. We go solo, dance floors and talk shows, hot dogs, no those hot sex and back rows. <laughs> the
1: reason I brought up Beck growing up in L.A. is I feel like that's really important to understanding Hollywood Freaks because it's very much at least this song, uh, maybe not the album as a whole, but this song specifically seems to speak to Beck's understanding and experience of L.A.,
0: Right, his like he, this is Hollywood freaks if if you want to take it seriously, which you know, some people can't, but if you take the song seriously, this is almost like Beck, you know, his his response to somebody, if somebody were to say Beck, you know, what's Hollywood
1: like? <laughs> he would just <laughs> hit play on this song and this is what would come out. One of the things that stands out to me despite the the lyrics and and I, I can I can read you some. <laughs> this is great. I love this. <laughs> People look so snooty. Take pills, make them moody. Automatic bazooty. Zero to tutti frutti. Sex in the halls. Niagara Falls. Local shopping malls receive anonymous calls. So, <laughs> <laughs> so what this almost makes me think of is just Beck trying to speak to the diversity of Hollywood. You right. have people like what he struggled with like you know being homeless and 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 struggling to get by versus people who have more money than they'll ever know what to do with. <laughs> right, yeah. Um and and you have these people who are sharing the same city, the same streets. Um and to me Hollywood freaks almost sounds like beck making A poem if he was basically just taking a walk around the block right yeah like here are things that i'm seeing and the the different mix of people and attitudes and this this is what it all boils down to for me in if i if i was to make um, a, a rap out of it, essentially. Right.
0: So, in that same verse, you, you it, it's almost like he's walking down the street and pointing out people as he goes, like, eat at Takaria, pop locking beats from Korea, looking like jailbait, selling lots of real estate, looking like a hot date, banging like an 808. So, it's like, and he's just like, he's yeah. like, looking like jailbait, you know, pointing <laughs> over right, there, look right, look, left. look over there. You got the guy selling real estate, look at this guy. You know, it's like, he's just pointing out, like, how crazy Hollywood really is. And, you know, if you, if you, I mean, you know, lots of people have never been to Hollywood or, you know, whatever they, they know, they think of Hollywood and they think of movies and whatever. But if you go to Hollywood and, and walk down the street, at like midnight, like you will see some really screwed up stuff, which is great. You know, that's kind of what make, makes Hollywood, this legendary weird place, you know? So with, with, with what Beck is, is trying to do with this Hollywood freak song is, is like, we're saying he's trying to like give like his interpretation of Hollywood. And uh, he's very open uh, talking about his, his relationship with, with, with LA and, and Hollywood, Uh, specifically um, I I have a quote here from him Uh, this is from an interview around the time that Hollywood Freaks came out he says I love LA but there are certain elements that are repelling to me but at the same time I enjoy it I love to hate it as a musician or somebody who works creatively you tend to take things from your environment that bug you or disturb you and try to reassemble them the way you see fit That's one of the licenses you acquire when you start writing songs or making movies. You're able to do odd things and rework the world as you see it. So I took the liberty to do that with Hollywood because it's taken liberty with me. It's a two-way relationship, and uh, we. I could probably argue that what he's talking about there is 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 both his um, growing up, you know, kind of wandering bohemian lifestyle in Hollywood, and you know, probably busking on the streets and maybe being ignored and and all that and now he's you know, living, living living the high yeah, life. As, the high as, life. He's, as he's, a
1: successful musician. who yeah. yeah mul- he walks down the I, have, I have a Grammy and a multi-platinum album. Yeah, and, and he's a
0: pretty he's a pretty recognizable guy because he dresses kind of weird and whatever. So if he walks down the street of Hollywood, you know, it, at this time in 1999, as opposed to what he did if, mm. in, in 1992, you know, he he'd be stopped on the street, ask for autographs, take pictures, and so he's he's kind of saying like anything could happen here, you know, and, and isn't it a wonderful, weird, bizarre place, but also it's also kind (laughs) of (laughs) awful.
1: Yeah. And I think, and I think with Hollywood freaks, um, he almost still sees it the same way. Yeah, I, I feel like the, the same perspective that I had when I had nothing versus the perspective I have now that I have something, I still feel the same way yeah. i still see the same things I, I i think of it you know the same way he probably way. sees the same yeah. person he's <laughs> like
0: he's like i saw that person 10 years ago walking down you know in in his you know rocky horror picture show getup or whatever and there he is still like you know g- Go, go, you, Mr. You know, uh, lingerie man. (laughs)
1: Because, yeah, I mean, there's nothing in this song that he's specifically saying is like good or bad. Yeah, he's just pointing out. It's just, yeah, it's it's like on the one hand, it's this hopping party town where, you know, people are crazy and drugged out of their minds and having these like <laughs> huge parties. And on the other hand, there's like people sleeping on the street and yeah. but that's the drugs. Yeah. And, that's just, know, but that's just, yeah, that's, that's just how, how life is. Yeah. And yeah, I feel like this song is just trying to, to capture that and do it in uh, a fun way, which, right. which is almost a, a, a more optimistic way to, well, to, I, it, it could to be, think of it.
0: It could be argued that it's a more genuine way. You know, mm. like if you listen to like a traditional hip hop song by somebody like like, I don't know, like Tupac or, or even like Biggie, like you, you, you get this idea that like they're, they're describing their environment. And I think that's one of the, the reasons that hip hop is, is so revered as a, as a, um, as you know, like as a musical style, it's because what you're doing is you're, you're taking your environment and presenting it in a real fashion. You're like, this is what it's like, you know, like white people living in Connecticut, <laughs> you know, they might not know that this is what it's like living in these, you know, impoverished areas and whatever. And so Beck is is doing like the classic hip hop thing. He's like, this is what Hollywood is like. Yeah, my lyrics are gonna be weird, and I'm gonna talk about weird stuff, and it's gonna be kind of silly. But welcome to Hollywood. <laughs> you know? Yeah, and and
1: if you listen to Odalay you realize lyrically he's he's being Beck. Yeah, he's being who he is, where he just has this particular lyrical aesthetic, where yeah. it's gonna be strange imagery that you or I probably couldn't think of, but that's the (laughs) thing that makes Beck Beck and why it's so enjoyable to listen to him, uh, because he really has these interesting ideas that he puts together. And I think, especially with midnight vulture is kind of getting back to, to the production and the instrumentation. Um, what makes this album, uh, so much more, uh, specific there, there's so much more intent behind the crafting of the sound. So, um, he worked with, the dust brothers again who had produced odelay um but as we mentioned you know it's kind of finding sounds this is them making all the sounds right uh they're kind of playing around with you know cheap casio keyboards kind of (laughs) coming up with things that sound sound fun and sound different and then putting that all together as opposed to just like yeah we're gonna you know find some sound that we're gonna get a space for somewhere or we're just going to keep like layering things in there this is a bit more like we need a horn and we need a horn that's going to do this thing for us Right. so let's keep playing around until till we find it and then and right. then put and, it in there and at
0: this point he has this the money and success and the clout where you can be like okay we're going to call a horn player like let's call him in and let's have him play some horns you know like whereas before with you know Odalay and prior like it was like well okay well you know I can't eat so, yeah, so if we want to get a horn get player is done gonna, and get this out. We're gonna get figure out a cost effective way to do this.
1: <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, and and I don't know if that's part of um the reason why Beck often doesn't revisit a lot of these songs, especially live. Yeah, um, I mean, when I saw him um touring behind this album, I mean, they played a ton of stuff from this album as you know you would expect, expect yeah, yeah. Um, but I mean, now it's kind of like one, maybe two tracks from. Midnight Vultures, you know, have made their way into their live set, even on subsequent albums. I mean, it doesn't make a lot of sense to, you know, do do a lot of these songs when you're touring with like Sea right, Change yeah. and a more acoustic. Yeah, album. you can't
0: really do Golden but, Age yeah. and
1: then <laughs> <laughs> <with> business. The, <laughs> but I mean, with the with the more upbeat albums like Guero and the Information and stuff, um, and and even the tour he's on now, uh, for Colors, um, looking through the set list, I'm still surprised that for someone who kind of revisited this idea of doing i'm gonna do like a fun kind of like party album um that a lot of these songs still aren't being kind of unearthed like he's dug up you know one or two to throw in there um but doesn't seem particularly passionate about it and if you read interviews with him he kind of sees midnight vultures as this misstep um i mean maybe that's being a little bit More severe, but he's basically, you know, he'll say like I, I don't know, like it's some, you know, I had fun with it, it was an experiment, and it just didn't connect with people for for whatever reason
0: right yeah i think i think um that when we were doing research for this episode i I came across a thing where he was talking about he wanted to make a record that'd be fun to play every night you know because when you do a tour you're playing the same songs over and over again every day and uh, he said he wanted to make a record that his entire band could play every night and still have fun at the end of the tour as much fun as they did on the beginning of the tour and uh and i mean for for me from that standpoint it's you know it's a success like it's a successful record that gets across that particular uh emotion but it is a little weird that you know he's not going back because once again like like i said i i this these songs come on when i have people over and everyone loves it like they're like this is great you know and uh so it is a little weird like maybe this might just be a situation where this album was just ahead of its time you know like he was it was the wrong time you know like we've done we've done a few episodes uh where we've talked you know about like you know an album coming out at the right time right place right right the right things were happening around it. And you know, as, as much as his specific intention to make a record like this was good, it just in 1999, it might not have been the right time to release something like this,
1: which is interesting. Cause there's never seemingly a bad time for, for a, a party, party album. Yeah. 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 And, and I, I feel like it still stands. If, if this album came out today, um, I, I, I still feel like it, it would, it would sound the same. I, I, probably explaining that terribly but like whether this album came out in 1980 yeah or it came out in you know was gonna drop in 2020 (laughs) like the album i feel like would still sound the way it sounds because it like harkens back to just these you know classic influences that he had listening to just you know people like George Clinton or you know listening to like a lot of the early Prince albums and and stuff like that where he was really trying to to channel that kind of those those great R&B songs that don't seem to to ever age like when you can throw them on yeah at a party and it doesn't matter that this song was from you know 1975 and there's this other song from 2005 they go together because they're fun and people like to have fun and listen to them and yeah, there's just, I, I feel like there's something about this album that got lost. Like, people almost forgot. Like, you could just make an album and have fun with it. You don't need to, <laughs> you know, you don't need to make, like, a, a profound statement or be trying to to sell copies. And I feel like bringing up kind of the other bands that were popular at the time, it's like, you know, bands were competing to be like, oh, we're going to be harder or more edgy than, like, this band. Yeah. You know, we're going to be, like, a little more, like, rough around the edges. Um, or you know, for like the boy bands, Britney Spears kind of stuff that was going on. Yeah, we're yeah. we're basically gonna like sell as much as we can and be yeah. like as commercial as possible. That there's there's something to be said for making an album for the pure joy of making an album. Where it's I love these couple of genres like funk, R and B, that kind of stuff, and and I'm I'm just gonna go for it. I'm just gonna do this album and doesn't matter because i i, I love it
2: <laughs> fruity. yeah i'll make some business with leather So,
0: you know, uh, when we were, we were, we were talking about, you know, okay, we're going to do a Beck song, you know, uh, for a skipped on shuffle episode, we're going to, we're going to, you know, what, what should we do? What, what should we talk about? What should the theme be? And, uh, it's interesting because, because I was gravitating towards Midnight Vultures because like I said, at the top of the episode, like this was, this was my Beck record. Like this was what really got me into listening to him as an artist. And, um, uh, you know, I think it's a shame that. Not only is "Hollywood Freaks" the song that we're talking about today, you know, a, a skipped on shuffle worthy track. Um, I, this whole album is like it's it's a shame that this entire album isn't not only part of the Beck canon, like the the the, the things that you know. If someone were to say, "What are the best Beck albums that I should get?" you know, um, the fact that 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 this one probably wouldn't be on most people's list is a damn shame. And uh, and then also just like you know. People people need a party record, you know? And it's like this is this is a viable contender. Like, yeah, you can put on Off the Wall by Michael Jackson, you can put on some some Parliament greatest hits, you can do whatever, but throw this one in there too. Like it's gonna get the party going just as much as those other ones do.
1: Yeah, and I think that's what makes it stand out in Beck's Canon, where, you know, not until the most recent album. Um, and I've only heard a couple of the tracks off of that. I haven't listened to it from from beginning to end um, where it takes him kind of a long time to come back to making a fun record, which I think kind of says something about that the outlier that this album is or possibly here's a guy who's not scared or, or timid about experimenting with other genres. But I almost feel like I, I get the sense of in from from interviews and the fact that he doesn't play a lot of the stuff live anymore is that it, he almost got a little spooked um based on the reception of this album, where um, you know, it's something that he didn't feel comfortable getting back to until fairly recently. Um so I think it's definitely worth a listen because even though every Beck album sounds, you know, very different, this one to me kind of Stands out among um, his entire discography, and I know most people um, are, are probably most familiar with Odelay. Um, but give Odelay a listen, and then listen to Midnight Vultures right after, because um, I think when when you hear that contrast of, you know, here's here's someone throwing things together and seeing what works, and here's someone who like now knows for sure what works, and and they're putting it together for you to to enjoy. Um, I think you can, can really appreciate the album much more. Thank you for listening to this episode of Skipped on Shuffle. Be sure to visit our webpage at skiptonshuffle.com where we have a blog and links to our social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, and also a YouTube page where we perform the songs that we discuss in these episodes.
0: We are trying our best to keep Skipped on Shuffle, a ad-free podcast, so if you are interested in helping to support that, please visit our Patreon page, which is patreon.com slash Skipped on Shuffle. Uh, any donations that come there, could go straight to keeping uh, Skipped on Shuffle, a ad-free experience, and go straight to paying for the various costs that are associated with running this podcast.